Welcome to Talk Local, a Local 219 production. I am Martin Alexi, filling in for Alan Miskowski, who is out on assignment this week. This week, I was honored to have as a guest Rashan Taylor, uh, an exceptional talent in the region, uh, teacher, instructor, art appreciator, graphic designer, uh, craft beer lover, and a, and a man with great opinions on many things, as you hear, will enjoy. Following, we discuss everything from how to inspire young children to find art through their own interpretation to how to find meaning in a logo all the way down to his love for LeBron James and the Cavaliers. So without further ado, please enjoy this edition of Talk Local. I want to read this quote, if I may. This is from the January-February issue of Here Magazine, the most current Here Magazine done by our friend Julia. And your quote here is, I think my style, in regards to style, let me, let me start that out. I think my style reflects my personality. I'm pretty laid back, I definitely agree with that. But once I open up, I can be very silly, which is the goal of this podcast. So, with me, again, this is Rashan's words, it's in the details. I may be wearing regular blue jeans and a cardigan, but I'll make sure I'm rocking a funky pattern or something that is unique. My style is a mixed classic prep and 90s era hip hop. It's classic, but fun. You know, usually people just assume the same about me. Um, <laughs> growing up, my mom wore some wild colors. I loved her confidence. I'm the opposite of my mom's temperament, but I do like having a bit of a bright color palette. I don't go too off, but I do wear colorful t-shirts or crazy socks. Since I'm a comic geek, it reminds me of how some heroes are buttoned up but underneath their work clothes, they have their superhero gear. That's a bit like me, buttoned up when needed, but when appropriate, I'll step to the forefront. That's a wonderful quote. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> I think that's uh, something that actually is quite deep for uh, you know the, the, the fashion angle of, the, of that article. And I think what I want to do with this podcast is discuss that underlying almost geekdom, perhaps nerddom, nerddom, where not only is, is being a nerd accepted, it's almost promoted nowadays. And I think it's very important in the creative industry to have that because that sense gives you empathy. Mm -hmm. That sense of wanting to be a hero gives you emotional intelligence. And that sense of wanting to be a better person than you are lends a lot of help toward help advancing a brand and i think it helps with the storytelling and you are a graphic artist uh but why don't you tell introduce yourself to the audience and if you want to just we'll start the flow from okay. there yeah i'll try not to stutter too much so uh <laughs> rashawn taylor I, I actually currently am the uh, design manager for governor state university which is in university park illinois very creative name to have a you know university at right uh, i've been doing design for man i would say over 10 years like over 15 years probably you know it's like one of those things that the older you get the the shorter you wish every everything right was, you, know, you initially say oh i've been doing this for at least two years yeah and then you're like oh gosh yeah, no. you know, i'm almost yeah, like i'm almost 40 so now it's like everything you know i feel like don't you know when people always say i'm 29 and you know right. and, you know you've been 29 for 20 years <laughs> so that's why i sometimes feel about design career i don't want to seem like i'm you know you know, definitely, uh, I mean, definitely came up in a computer age, so it wasn't like I was doing any, uh, you know, letterpress or, you know, some other okay. things that seemed to be like 
super hardcore coming back now anyway. You know, that's all I see is like, oh, I'm doing letterpress now. And it's like, or you see people going back and doing a lot of screen prints and or a lot of older techniques to kind of expand. So while this stuff is really cool, that's, you know, when I started doing design, it was more or less of, oh, this uh, Commodore is over here. You can, <laughs> do pixel, you can do pixel art and that would make like Christmas scenes and stuff like that. So that's kind of how I started off. And also, you know, just being like super into comics, I used to, you know, draw a ton. Uh, so uh, thinking about how that kind of uh, jumped around. I know I kind of was supposed to give myself an intro, but. No, that's fine. You know, but you know, There are like, no rules here. Oh, cool. <laughs> But, you know, when you think about um, how creativity kind of flows and what kind of got me into being in the creative field, it was more or less of, like, I actually went to get in sequential art. Okay. Which, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like storyboarding and doing things for movies, which kind of relate to comics. But I knew for a fact that I didn't want to be a quote-unquote artist um, because it's a different type of drive. And I also knew I didn't want to be into comics because it's going to sound really weird when I say this. I didn't want to draw all the time. So when I discovered, like, the computer... When I was at, what was it? I was a uh, Mr. Ballum's class and I went to Gary Roosevelt. So I'm from Gary, Indiana, okay. uh, born and raised in Gary, Indiana. Stayed there for probably about 26 years of my life until I got married. Like the day before I got married is when I actually moved <laughs> from Gary. So Wow, okay. Yeah. It was, uh, so, you know, I've been doing, uh, you know, design since then. But my early influences were definitely, you know, growing up at uh, in, in high school, just ex- uh, had an excellent art teacher. He passed away, I think, like two years ago. Uh, Larry Ballum, but he was he was very he gave you a lot of freedom and he always had some interesting things or comments to say and I used to like get hall passes from my teachers or sometimes I'll skip class just to go over to the art room nice. and just you know play around with the computer and I didn't know about the field of graphic design until I was probably like a sophomore in, or junior in college actually so I, I used to go to computer labs and play on like Photoshop and Painter and I just enjoyed it until one of my friends actually uh Clint Wadsworth, he uh, owns Misbehaving Meads, actually, in Valparaiso, Indiana. Uh, he was, we were talking one day, and I kept on saying I was going to write an article for the campus paper. So I don't think he believed me at all. <laughs> he, he, he really didn't believe me. But one day, I think he was desperate and needed somebody to cover something. He's like, hey, you always say you want to write an article. Why don't you uh, do this? So I covered it. He took some photos for it. And we actually won an IPCO award off the article, wow. both the article and the photo. And from there, he really liked the writing. So he was like, hey, you, you do some design, too. And he started, like, you know, we, uh, that's when I learned how to use Corp Express, actually, by talking to Clint. And we became real good friends. And, you know, he kind of encouraged me to take over the, um, not the newspaper, but the literary arts magazine that we had mm-hmm. at uh, IU Northwest. Okay. And it really just, I was like, this is what I want to do. You know, I, I love doing layout. I love uh, doing those creative things. And me and Clint were both, like, big nerds. Like, he used to read those uh I can't think of the name of the guy who used to do those like uh, Dritz the Elf, like the, uh, the the Dark Elf trilogy and st- stuff like that. Josh, yep. Dark El- Elf trilogy. Anybody? I got yeah. I got nothing on that. Boston Tom. Nothing on Elf. Okay, yeah. but you know, it, it was, it was, it was, but I mean, he was like we would, we would change books and I and I never really read fantasy that much, but you start reading it and then you start visualizing different things and. And, I was, and during that time, I also was a huge comic book nerd. Like, my mom would actually buy my comics for me, which was awesome because I didn't have to How cool them. is that? Yeah, it, well, she was also, I got her addicted to them. So she was, so she was enjoying them yeah, as well. Yeah, she was addicted to comics and Yoshi's Island. So those were, like, two things that, you know, she loved, like, platformer games. So, okay. yeah, it was awesome because then I didn't have to buy the stuff, you know, because, like, I, I keep my money. Right, too, so. right. It was um, a shared passion. Well, you and I have talked about this. You and I agree that storyboards... 
are a favorite form of art. Oh, definitely. I think uh, storyboards are beautiful, especially the more well-done ones. Uh, I, I believe, uh, what was it, the Batman animated series. Oh, are, gorgeous. You don't even need the cartoon. Mm -hmm. You can just look at the storyboards. And I remember uh, reading once that um, Alfred Hitchcock did every single film exactly to a storyboard and would not deviate from oh, it. Man. And those storyboards are gone. Imagine having the storyboards to Psycho. Imagine having yeah, the storyboards. Yeah, just storyboard. be able to post those up. And just being, exactly, and just it, it's beautiful. But you also mentioned that you didn't like to draw that much. So was it the new software that kind of brought you into graphic design where you could do it quicker? Well, no, you know, let me clarify that I love to draw, but I am not a super huge fan. So, so growing up, uh, and this is this is probably a good reason. Like uh, I'm like I taught for two years, and I was a big fan of like trying to tr trying to show uh, the students like what was around, and try to because you don't know what you don't know, so you don't know what exists if you haven't been exposed to it. So exposure for kids to different uh, fields, and not just like, oh, if you're art, let's go look at Van Gogh. You know, it's, it's more or less of if you like art, well, let me talk to you about the different careers there are in art. Let me show you the different things you can do. Just like uh, if it was a writer, you know, writing, uh, like especially in marketing, if you're a great writer, you, you can get tons of jobs. Right. Um, you know, just even the editing part of it or, you know, uh, most creative directors, you look at a lot of them have, you know, writing backgrounds. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, not knowing what exactly what they're out there for artists was confusing growing up because you didn't have uh, the guidance counselor didn't know as much, you know, so... For me, I like to draw. I enjoy drawing, but most of the things people talk about drawing, so, oh, you're going to do comic books? or And I didn't like the repetitive nature, per se, of some of those. You know, it's okay. like if you're going to do, or animation. Like people say, are you going to do animation? Mm -hmm. you look at this. I don't want to be an animator. I have to draw all those, you know, like, you know, step by step by step. Going back to your, the, that's too detailed. That's right. Too so that's why I looked at, like, you know, um, that's what, and I said, logos. I, yeah, the, logos. Well, that's why I like comics, because, you know, you saw those dynamic, and, and, and I said, sequential art kind of matches up with it. Also, but okay. you know, um, but because I was actually going to go to like a different college, but ended up not happening. That's a you know longer story. I say that for part two. We have time. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I was planning to go to Savannah College of Art and Design, okay. and I didn't know that much about like uh, financial aid and how to really uh, All right. do things like that. But so I was like, okay, I'm going to take a semester off, and I'm going to go ahead and just work and get some money. So I remember probably Thanksgiving, my uncle was like, no, you're not doing that. You're going to enroll into school and this is what's going to happen. So went ahead and took care of that and went to IU Northwest. And uh, while I was there, though, I think I was very fortunate to have met some really cool people. Like I said, Clint uh, uh, and some other friends that actually helped like really define my life. I had some really great friendships there. met my wife there. Uh, you know, so it's like, I still have friendships to the day. I'll go to the campus and uh, you know and see like good friends that's been there all the time. So, so good on your uncle for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah give him that. He's all right. So. <laughs> well, uh, going back to that, you you've instructed children, you've inst or students mm -hmm. about art. Do you feel that they were coming from a place of less exposure, less knowledge? Do you think that they would embrace it a little bit more? Do you think that? Uh, you know, uh, I know when I was going to school, art was always seen as kind of the the uh, the rest, the, the time yeah. where you could just <clears throat> relax and enjoy some time. But if you are never exposed to it, it might be something 
completely eye-opening that just changes your life. Right, and I, I would say I was fortunate. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be nice and give some credit to the kids because they were some very amazing, special kids. You know, um, so I mean, they, I won't say they were all bright, but no, okay. no, no but they were all just really uh, open to what I, because I never taught before my first day of teaching, so I wasn't a trained really? teacher or anything. I remember the first day I sat in that room and, I, and like five minutes before class, I just stopped and I was like, what the fuck did I do? <laughs> <laughs> like, I seriously sat there and I, you know, I freaked out for like a half a second. Then the kids came in there. First grade, the first first group of students I taught were um, eighth graders. And yeah, were they eighth graders? Give me a second. Let me think, think, think. Yeah, eighth graders. And eighth grade students are the, actually the worst humans in the world. Seventh and eighth graders. It's a true story. Because right there, like I was listening to This American Life, this makes sense. Up. Like they say, they, they say there's two times in life when people have this rapid neuron growth in their brain or, or nerves and stuff like that. And they get this crazy, like, nerve endings are growing in their brain, something like that. And they makes start sense. going nuts. So it's when they're two years old and when they're like their preteens. Yeah. So you got terrible twos and you got the terrible, like, teens. Yeah, teens. Yeah. You know, and. And they say that that's when kids kind of get, you know, like when they're two years old, that's when they start, you know, they have all this hyperactivity in their brain and they, you know, they're processing all these different things. In the teenage years, that's kind of where they say that they actually get their, um, and I'll probably mess up this quote a little bit, but, you know, blame Ira Glass for that one. Okay. But uh, it, it, it kind of was interesting that it came up when people were doing, uh, trying to figure out why are these kids so hyperactive? Well, that's supposed to be when they're actually figuring out the things they like and dislike. Their passions. Yeah, their passions. Okay. Passion. They want to try out everything. They want to test everything. They want to do all those things that annoy the crap out of adults. You know, they want to, like, you know, see what they can get away with and just experiment. And it's, 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 but those is also one of the times that you should also give them the most options, the most choice, the most direction. So fortunately, from, so when I was teaching, I actually had a idea, but I was changing it a lot. I was coming from it of what I wish I would have experienced so you know I, I pretty much started from the basics I had kids talking about you know we we kind of did a progression we started off with like a basics of you know um, I'm trying to think what I, I had them doing like stuff like drawing boxes okay. for perspective right. you know, and it was really boring for them but they didn't you know but they actually kind of got what I was doing we started off actually doing uh, just talking about what is art then we played some weird games like the first game I actually did was I put a bunch of adjectives on, on wrote out there you know or adjectives or adverbs and other, you know, English terms I'm going to screw up. But I had, like, you know, slow, cold, okay. uh, you know, uh, slim, tall. And they had to illustrate each nice. word. So I put 40 words on there. I weighted by points. And it made it kind of a game. And they were, like, all these kids are like, oh, I got 40. I did all, you know, they were like, so they were excited. And they didn't have to. The first thing I was trying to steal with them that they didn't have to draw well. They just needed to try and, and, and make sure that they communicated. Because that was my whole thing, saying, Art is not about drawing well, it's about communicating something properly. So that was the whole theme of the class and everything that they were taught were, was to how to actually teach them how to communicate. And that's a brilliant idea. Now, was that your idea or were you taught something similar? It was somewhat my idea because, I mean, well, it was, it was, I would say it was just a combination of, or accumulation of all the different uh, things I've ever heard. Like I remember one of my professors, Dave Clayman, uh, he told me this interesting thing we said in class, like, you know, art is supposed to make you uncomfortable. So it's not as uncomfortable as it's scary, but it should be something about it that, you know, at least makes you think. And, right. you know, you hear other artists, you know, they, they have different theories. I remember one of my favorite classes in college was art theory. And just listening to how different people perceive art, how, you know, you have my, maybe uh, 
Socrates and, the, you know, like in Plato's Republic, how, you know, I think in book 10, he discusses art. And like, you know, what's the purpose of having a chair when a mirror probably replicates a chair better than a chair or just having a chair is better than doing a painting of a chair. Uh, you know, and, and so, so you look at what's the purpose of art then, well, you can communicate different things that you can. And also, they also had a limited probably view on art. You weren't looking into the abstract, um, you know, art styles at that, that, that time too. And you're also talking about philosopher, you know, also you had like Leo Tolstoy, he had different things. Like he thought that like, I think he was believing that uh, religious art was like of the utmost important. Um, and just reading different stories uh, about how like different people viewed art. So I want to try to figure out a way to like distill that in, in such a way that the the kids will be able to, you know, have fun. And so I thought the theme of it would be to say, okay, if I could just figure out what art should, could be digested and but still give a chance for them. Cause you don't want to be, I'm not an exact person at all. And I don't want to say this is this, right. You know, um, you know, roses are red, but sometimes they aren't. Red. Right. <laughs> you know, so you, you can't always be exact on that. You know, it's the sky blue or like, they, like they say, like blue is actually a color that our eyes don't naturally process. And then people give you all the science mumble jumble. It's like, well, you know, that's a little too much to think about. <laughs> so that was the, so that's kind Especially of Especially for a twelve year old. Right, for the twelve year old. So and I and it was a uh, sixth grade through eleventh grade that I actually taught. So it was it was it was a lot of fun. I mean just the different personality between it. But um the biggest thing though, I I try and I and I did the same lesson but it was uh the skill level it was, was scalable. You know, a a twelfth I mean eleventh grader and a sixth grader probably won't have the same artistic talent just because of what they've been exposed to, but that whole lesson of communication seemed to follow very well. So Really? Okay. Yeah, so the main thing was that, you know, you t I told them communication, and we started off, actually, after they did those little illustrations, it was just to warm them up. Then I actually had them play this game called, like, uh, what is it called? Exquisite Corpses, when you give uh, people, like, one sheet of paper, and you give them, or and you give them, like, 30 seconds to draw, and then you make them switch with the next person. Then right. it's a combined drawing at the end. It was just for them to get used to everybody else. So they get rid of that shame of I'm not good or this person's better than me. Like you have, those are two things to get, like if you can get rid of that, then people can actually have more fun. And, and, and that's why most of the kids I found out that didn't like art, they felt ashamed because they weren't as good as their peers. So you have to get rid of the idea of competition. Then you also have to distill it in such a way that they can actually understand. So, so no uh, less competition, more interpretation, right? More interpretation. Uh, so I could see that, to me is pretty fascinating. I think that is something that you could turn into a, a great project that you can license and trademark <clears throat> copyright. And now we have it on the podcast, so yeah, we'll protect it for you. Maybe call me up too. So. Uh, no, I think that's a fas fascinating idea. And I love uh, the fact that that would be the most uh, progressive way of, of, of showing somebody art. And I, I think when you're teaching children of that age, they're either, like you said, they don't think they're good enough or they're too aggressive. They 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 want to be they, yeah, doing they comic books yeah. right away, right. you know. And, and you're trying to establish it has to be about you. Don't copy. Don't right. look to copy. You can be inspired. Well, well the thing is, yeah. you, you know, it's good to actually copy a little bit, but okay. you want to make sure you got basics right. out first. And and uh, like even when I was in art, uh, taking art classes, they actually promoted looking at you know different artists and actually copying those artists, but you already have to have certain basics. So I just run through real quick. So we talked about our communication, then actually we got, uh, got them used to drawing. The second part we did was we did logos. So I gave them a city, a sport, and an animal, and they had to combine them into a logo. Nice. So they had to communicate the idea in three different ways. 
And then after they kind of got those fun things out, then and kind of got their trust, then we actually went to the basics. So we start talking about one point perspective, two point perspective. Um, then we talked after that, we did like stick figure, um, what I like to do, uh, stick figure um, comics. So we talked about um, how like to draw people in perspective, like how tall, you know, eight heads or whatever like that. And so they drew stick figures and then they made comics out of stick figures. And after that, we learned how to flesh it out. You know, we use like, you know, tubes and, and rectangles and slowly like brought them to, you know, they can start uh, adding more stuff to people. Then we start letting, after that, they have, uh, we learned like, you know, perspective. That's why you brought boxes in so they could draw the boxes in perspective. And that part, they thought there was, some kids thought it was the most boring thing in the world. But, right. but we also challenged, so I challenged them. I did like crazy stuff to, you know, make it like, they can pick whatever side they want to draw on. Okay. And they can pick like certain sections on there. And overall, I'll say it was very fun and very successful. Uh, you had some kids that just didn't like it. I mean, and that's the way it goes. But that's I would say the is. majority of students, I mean, some of them hopefully will like check out this podcast when I post it up and they'll tell you, you know, if they liked it or not. But I was surprised that some students, they would be totally quiet, concentrating on these boxes and because it was challenging to them because drawing boxes that are all different juts and angles is it's, it's a puzzle. You mm-hmm. figure out, you know, how you're going to do this. You know, it, so, you know, you taught them how to measure distance and uh, different things with art. So there's so many different lessons that they can learn and they get intrigued in it. But then after we get all those basics done, that's when I just said, okay, now I want you to combine some of these lessons together and make a composition. You can do an old project back again or not. So you have to take all what you learn and figure out a way to make them bring it into their own. So you got some amazing things came out sometimes. I had this one student, all she wanted to draw the first year I saw her was sunsets. Okay. And you can't draw sunsets all the time in past. She was so mad because I was going to give her a, a F. Uh, I'm not going to give her a D. And she, like, was saying how she would, you know, never got a D before and stuff like that. She was, like, really, really pissed off at me. So she went back and, like, tried to redo all these projects. But I'm like, it's too late. But I ended up giving her a C plus because she actually did come up with some better work and it looked like she was trying, but she was like mad at me for a year. And then when she came in the next year, she was mad at me for like two weeks until one of her friends actually was like, you know, Mr. Taylor really trying to help you out. Right. Right. And you're being very rude. And after that, she actually started asking for my help and I would sit up there and work with her. And and, uh, I remember I saw her, uh, I, unfortunately, the only graduation I did not go to for the students I taught was that graduation because somebody okay. didn't let me know when it was, and I was, you know. But I saw her the graduation before as she was at before she graduated. And she told me that you know she said she still hates art, but I was a pretty. <laughs> she said I wasn't. I wasn't. A, I wasn't. I wasn't the worst teacher she ever had. So. Uh, well, that's nice. That, that's a nice epitaph. Mm-hmm. Uh, she wasn't the worst. Yeah. Uh, but I can see how that is flattering. Um, that I think is a, another way to bring people into art the same way I used to joke uh, you know I'm not a big fan of musicals most of my friends male friends would always say well I don't like musicals but I would say actually you do because the Blues Brothers is a musical and you love that film so I just don't like the Nutcracker I've seen it way too many times (laughs) well we could if you want to talk Hamilton we could do another 90 minutes I gotta go see it first man have you heard the soundtrack? Because I don't want to spoil it. No, because I'm, I'm trying <laughs> I to. Every time I hear somebody like uh, start singing the hymns, I chop them in the throat real quick. Because I want to make sure they just stop. Because I want to, you know, keep it pure. Okay, I'll stop. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I won't even start. Well, you're too far away, too, man. You're <laughs> kind of bigger than me. So Hamilton. Uh, so, uh, th- but another way to get people into art, I think, are through logos. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a child, I used to get Games Magazine. My father got it for me, and I would go through, and the analytical pieces and puzzles didn't do much for me. But my favorite part was name that product. And they would have close-up oh, yeah. shots. 
And I would go, oh, that's a Doritos bag. That's a Pepsi can. That's mm-hmm. this. And I would get almost 100, you know, unless it was a brand I'd never heard of. Yeah. And that's what inspired me to go into advertising. Now, I never became a graphic designer, but I love the story behind a brand. I love the story behind a logo. And people don't realize how much work goes into a logo. People think that someone goes, Rashana, here's my business. This is what I do. Uh, throw these two colors in there right. and come up with something. And they think well, those are guys that you know want you to do it in like two days and charge you fifty bucks. Right. So. Well, that's the other. That'll be good for your portfolio. Yeah. yeah, that's another ninety minute show. But everybody listening out there, get paid for your work. Uh, but uh, going back to the 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 logo effect and the the brand uh, storytelling, just read an article today that uh, somebody was condemning the show Mad Men and saying that art schools, uh, for in particular portfolio advertising schools are failing in America because they are, all these portfolios are spec ads, billboards, video, and nothing that wraps up everything. And I've always been of the mindset that any good idea covers your concept, your PR, your logo, it's all inter woven and yeah. and i think that's what a, a social media campaign is people think you have to think completely different you don't you just it's a different medium oh yeah definitely so there's so much artwork just in in uh in the logo in the colors chosen uh plus how it's all disseminated i right. mean when you think about your whole so it's a great way to teach somebody yeah. art how to appreciate art right i mean i think the problem is is that um I remember going to uh, the brand new design conference, and there were you know some great speakers. And uh, I'm going to mispronounce her last name; I'm getting embarrassed. But Paula Shire was there. She did like uh, like Citibank's logo. She's one of the greatest oh, okay. graphic designers, just pure, you know. Um, and she was talking about how a lot of people they look at one part of something, you know, um, one part of a logo, and then they want to talk about the whole brand, like they know it, and they don't see it in action. They don't see it. L- how it lives, how it's disseminated between the different things. Now, how do you mean you? internally? In, just in period. The, just, in the yeah. brand or outside the brand? Outside the brand. Okay. Or even, in, so they did one for Parsons, uh, the new school, and I think, uh, uh, you know, and, and they had this weird funky text that they kind of uh, did that was like different letters. The, the system was made so that the different letters on there were like different sizes and people looked at it and said, oh, it's kind of sloppy or whatever like that. But then when you find out or you hear what the school was trying to achieve, um, how they wanted to show that they were, you know, very progressive and you know, ever changing, uh, contemporary or not. Um, it was very interesting to see how, you know, how she spoke on it. Uh, and I mean, I, I I listened to that video probably a couple of days ago, and it was just uh, just really cool. Just you know, checking out it's like, okay, you know, sometimes we really think that we know something just because we saw it on social media and we want to react. So right now we're probably in a culture of reaction, and we feel that we we have the uh, the tools to really get our opinions out there quick. So if I went up there and posted a photo of a sandwich, right, it, somebody's going to say, oh, what's that? You know, you took a bad photo of a sandwich, therefore the sandwich isn't good. Well, you weren't there. You didn't see what the sandwich tasted like. Um, you don't see, like, you know, that that's all I had, and I was fortunate enough to have a sandwich. Or you might not realize that, you know, that's actually a picture of a sandwich that you took last week and I put on there. You know, you, <laughs> you, you want to react so quickly that you don't really right. dive deep into it. So. We have these fantastic social media and communication tools, but right now we're at the stage that we haven't matured into the total conversations that we could have with them. You know, we could talk about, okay, how quick does it take you to go on Google and find out what 
the project brief was, or if you don't have the project brief, right. yeah, it's kind of hard to say. So you see these amazing logos, like you know when they changed over um, certain logos, you say why did they change that logo? Then you find out, oh, they did it because these colors are more progressive. It looks better on the retina screen. They want to simplify it, blah blah blah. Now they can do gradients when you used to not be able to do gradients on logos that much because they didn't reproduce that well. Right. Uh, you know, there's so many factors. Nobody knows what a bleed is anymore. Right. You right. Know? Oh, I have to know what a bleed is because I still do like primarily print work and. Do you? Okay. Oh, oh yeah. So so uh, you know, but you, know, you but yeah, it's like we we have a we we are limited experts. Because we can get all the information we want, but we don't want to look at it. We just want to go about so so we can look at everything and we can research so many things. But at the same time, we're also getting everything so fast that we don't really take the time to actually try to understand. Now we don't need to understand all that stuff because you know I mean that's a whole lot of stuff to try to think about. It is. But at the same time, when we decide to critique and give judgment on something, we need to give the actual understanding of it some precedent. You know, we have to give it some sort of importance. We just can't go up there and say, "Oh, I don't like that new logo because orange is an ugly color, right. or that shape is weird." You know, it might have been the shape of like the founder's like baby's head or exactly. something. Like exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, or it's green and yellow, and I don't like the pattern. Yeah, I don't like so. that pattern. Yes, I mean, there's tons well, of logos I think are like legit ugly, but at oh, the same yeah. time, it's like you know, I want to. Is it that important too? Like the Doritos logo. I mean, I love Doritos. They taste delicious. I'm not going to not buy them because I don't like the logo that much. Right. I And I'm glad you brought that up because it's a perfect segue. To me, when I see a logo change, my PR mind, my branding mind immediately assumes they're doing it to get PR. It's the new Coke rule. It's you know, We're making a change. We're going to yeah. see what you think of it. And we really don't care what you think of it so much. Uh, that's fine. The feedback is good, but we want the attention. Yeah. And I think that's what's... Uh, what do you, okay, Frito, I'm um, sorry, Pepsi is in the hot seat now because they think that <laughs> they're making uh, Doritos for women. They're making oh, yeah, Doritos chips that. for women. And the uh, b- based on an interview and the interpretation of one or two lines in mm-hmm. that interview. Now the owner has, uh, the um, CEO has come out and it's funny now because they're saying, we never had plans to come out with a women's chip version of, I mean. It, it, they might've probably said something like, well, this chip may be more attractive to women because it doesn't do X, Y, Z or something like that. But, you know, that's that's what it is, though. It's like somebody said, right. oh, there's, it's a... Uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this. Uh, but They most, take it and run. Yeah, they take it and run. It's, it's like when you see these clickbait articles, you're like, right. oh, LeBron... And I can't stand LeBron. I'm going to let you know that. You know, Chicago, I don't like Cleveland Cavaliers. Don't like, you know... I, I mean, I hope the best I've, for I've LeBron. I've never picked that up. I hope, I hope the best for LeBron James. I, I think he's a nice human that does a lot of charity work. Because he listens to this show. Oh, yeah, he listens, yeah, he's going to be checking it out right now. You know, But I hope LeBron James just realized, you know, I have a greater calling in basketball and just retires. And then I hope the city wow. of Cleveland just, like, decides to, like, close up, you know, but for just basketball reasons, you know. But, yeah, I just don't like LeBron. But <laughs> that's a different story. Well, but, you must be having a lot of schadenfreude with the season they're having. Yeah, but, you know, they're doing but terrible. then you're also afraid they're going to be like, they're going to like lose 20 games in a row and then they're going to be like number eight seed and then they're going to be the first number eight seed to make the finals or something. Well, actually, that, I know that's probably happened before, but you know, you're going to have like, you know, LeBron's going to all of a sudden wake up and like give his team a motivational speech and pull a Hulk Hogan. And then, and then everybody's going to be like, oh, he's the greatest again. You know, no, no, I, no, I, no. I want him to just like, just say, you know what? I've done all I want to do. Let me, let me become a pastor or something like that. You know, like, I, 
be a noble caller. Uh, I think being a pastor would be a little humbling for him. And yeah. I'm no Stephen A. Smith, but I don't think you have to worry about no. the Cavs making it to the right. finals this year. Yeah, I hope uh, so. But, but where does he? Oh, anyway. Um, well, I don't want to get too like right. off subject, so I, we could talk That's about okay. some more. more I, trust me, I have so much like LeBron hate. I can I can go on forever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely LeBron hate. Yeah, you can quote me on that. Like LeBron hate TM with, with no registration. Put the registration mark on there. I'll get my shirts. Uh, but so and then Le- burn them right so LeBron so they order more right so like you, you might see the clue like LeBron said these three things about his teammates and, right. you, and you don't even read the article and like LeBron's being a jerk and blah 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 and you find out that he's talking about oh you know his teammate had a kid and he's hoping happy for him and you know sunshine and butterflies and stuff like that but you look at the initial thing on there and you all just make like oh my you know let, let me let me let me feel these emotions even though because i want to react you you know the thing is we want to react we all have a megaphone yeah and you see it and it's so easy to react i mean that's that's the first thing you do you're like oh i'm already ready to be angry because they said you know click here for more but you know what i, I don't want to click here for more i just want to be angry right so then you just say some dumb stuff that you know that you find out later on that wasn't true and then you can delete your post if you want or you can just say oh i didn't know or people like posting like where did they say, you know, uh, you know, like something happened in Brussels, like, oh, where did they say pray for Haiti? Then you find out that, oh, guess what? They did say pray for Haiti. You know, um, mm-hmm. uh, people just, we live in a now, we're, we're forgetting the past, or we're doing like revisionist history type of thing, but in the worst way. We're, we're not looking at it and saying, oh, well, back in the blah, 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 that this was, you know, not good either, or, you know. Yeah, well, you know, we probably living in some of the best times in our lives right now. It's a blessing and a curse. Like, yeah. every technology seems to afford to us it's, yeah people it's, like you know uh you know 50 years ago 50 years ago you know people that are african-american yeah, we didn't like it that much so. and that's something I, I will say when people when i hear people go god the good old days and you're like yeah. what does that mean yeah, what, are you, yeah. what are you trying to say there uh because yes literally 50 years ago a certain segment of our Probably, national and, and, and neighbors even, could know. not vote without getting in a hose Police yeah, or, and then you I look mean, at the fact that not even just racial rights, but like female rights were definitely at like a, you know, a, a low. I mean, like right now you're still seeing people, you, you still hear the first female to do this or the first right. African-American to do this or the first, you know, Mexican-American to do this. I mean, Mexicans, African-Americans, women, they've been around for a long time mm-hmm. and now they're just getting there doing some of these things. You know, some of that is just opportunity calls. So, you know, you look back to it too, like in the terms of like, design industry like i can name like maybe three african-americans that i've worked with um and you look at a lot of agencies now you see more women rising up in different design agencies but like you didn't hear about that uh too many times before so when you look at it and say yeah things definitely are not perfect and we can actually look how per- un- imperfect things are but when you look at it in the past more opportunities are out there more conversations are out there so when you look at the uh, idea of diversity and inclusion, especially in the terms of like design and marketing, right. it's an important thing because, you know, let's, you look at all the different campaigns that you look at. You think, what was the one, uh, the one uh, Dove? Remember that Dove right. ad? And the funny thing with that Dove ad. Now I'm gonna sound, you know, I don't want people like you know disowning me or taking my black card away. But if you look at the ad in totality, you look at it, there's like a. Oh, you know, uh, uh, you're asking people to be rational. I know. Yeah, sorry, got <laughs> but but you look at it and you can look when they just show the clip, a short clip, why people will get angry about yes. it. Yes, because it's you know you see a, a, a African American person and then they you know pull off a shirt. Well, you're speaking of the camp. I'm sorry, I, I was thinking the, the, of the, the uh, love yourself. Campaign. No, not the love. So yourself. you're speaking of the, the the Dove campaign when they were like taking out you know yes. and, and you look at that and, and you say okay, there's something wrong about this ad when you initially look at it, but then you, you know, and, and then you look at the ad actually objectively in totality, you look at it and say, okay, there's still something like 
kind of wrong about this, but how intentional was it? You know, if they would have had, you know, some other people in the room, would they have said, you know what? People might have taken offense to this. So I had this really funny story about one of the first things I did in this, uh, not really first, I did this ad for uh, something in the, in the campus newspaper, right? And we had these uh, different colored faces in there. And it was supposed to be a color ad, and I had like a smiley, it was, you know, it was like rate something, and it was like a, you know, big smile face to a sad face, right? It was like five faces. And I used like yellow, blue, green, red, uh, and I forget what the last color was, like you know, purple, you know, and, and uh, so we had them all in order. Somebody decided to run this ad black and white. So all the happy faces were the lighter faces, and all wow. the angry faces were like the darker faces. So a professor was like, that's almost, that's a brilliant th- yeah, twist almost. Right, yeah, and, I, and, and and so they were like really mad, and, and, and it was actually a professor where I, me and him got along very well, and you know, so I talked to him, and, he, and I explained to him, he's like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, I understand. But, and he, it's like, right. well, you know, even if you explain to somebody, those feelings that you have are still real, and you have to realize that the reality of something is sometimes not, perception is sometimes stronger than reality. Perception is always, right. always. And, I, and, and to this strong. day, I still remember that because it doesn't matter what my intentions were, right. just the fact that once they moved the ad, by no, by no knowledge of mine, but to black and white, now you've changed it to a different story. Now you look at it saying, yes, this is bad when you look at it. Right. And nobody's going to like, I, I'm not going to go up there and put a retraction on the paper. I apologize for this ad to be, you know, unintentionally racial and sensitive. You know, it's just. Almost the, makes it worse. Yeah. It, no, you just let it die. And if somebody actually asks, say, why did you let this run? Then you can explain to them. Mm-hmm. But no, you know, if I put that story out there, who would actually care about it? You know, thank you know, thank God it wasn't like a national thing. And then, you know, right. Then, but I mean, dumb stuff Could've happens. Been. Dumb stuff always happens. It will always happen. No matter what you try, you put a law against like dumb stuff and it's still going to happen. It, Cause we have laws about like all kinds of criminal activities and people right. are still in jail. Right. You know, so you just have to realize dumb stuff is going to happen. I, I agree with that diversity of, uh, uh, in the room. Now I do, let me, let me open my, or, uh, let me preface by saying, I do believe brainstorms are ruined with too many people. Mm-hmm. Because when you have too many people in the room, then everybody feels that they have to have yeah their opinion exactly yeah and so it's a, it's a beauty in silence sometimes. Thank you, and it would water down the uh, idea the overall project. Yeah. However, I've always been for diversity of thought, and I think you need somebody to criticize. But that has involved evolved in my mind now to not diversity for diversity's sake, which most mm-hmm. places yeah. like to to say that. Uh, I think it's more of a, a diversity for life experience, and then you can reach out to, to more, focus groups or right. something. There's other. There's, there's so many different ways. And focus but there groups is a little, it's kind of bad too. Right. You have to have a wheel if you can do focus. Like you have to say, okay, we're gonna put this out to the focus group, and then also the wheel to say we don't agree with them. Exactly. Uh, you don't want to. Right. You don't want to bend to uh, popular opinion because it's because you don't know they're in the moment. And and also uh, there's a difference between uh, focus group and mob mentality and right. it's not that far off oh it's and really not no i mean it's a jury it's a jury pool mm-hmm. so uh I, I do believe that the the more life experience the better it is for the brand however i do see a lot of hyper it, it's almost like um lack of a better term a resegregation mm-hmm. uh, where i see an agency that specializes in this culture and i see an agency that specializes in that culture and 
I'm wondering, is that the, the future? Because that makes sense. Oh, you mean, um, well, when you think about it, it's just pretty much like people pigeonhole agencies. They see right. somebody, oh, they did this. Or the agency yeah, wants, to, wants be, to be pigeonholed. Right. Well, because it's a new way of marketing, saying, hey, right. if we have this niche or something like that, then, yeah. you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's like specialization. You, you say, okay, hey, we see this trend coming up. So, therefore, if we specialize in it, then we can be the people, be what they go for. Um, but you look at the big agencies, the, the you know, like, you know, you got the Leo Burnett's and, you know, and, you know, all the other agencies, they, they're flexible. Mm-hmm. You know, people go to them because they can do anything. What do you think of the big agency model? What, what's the future? I think they'll still be successful because they have too much talent on there. I think uh, the biggest thing is, though, well, you know what? Let me be a little smarter with that comment, uh, since I never worked in a big agency. Okay. But you look at the work that they do is is usually uh, at such a thoughtful level that um, while you might have it being more like pe- people don't have the same idea about graphic design than they used to. You know, it used to be kind of a magical thing. Now with the you know advent of computers, Photoshop, uh, Fiverr, and other things like that, people don't look at it the same. But the big industries are always going to need some good advertising, some marketing. And the fact that, that uh, I think they'll still be able to survive. They have, they have, uh, they're still producing good work. I mean, great, amazing work, thoughtful work. Uh, I mean, just going and listen to them talk about their work is just such a far um, different world than if I was to talk about, like I can do a logo and it'll be very nice. And I can tell you about all these things I meant about and stuff like that. Uh, but the, amount of experience that some of the big agencies have and in, 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 in these great designers it's a reason why they are charging that much you know and they they know the trends they do the research and that's and it's kind of like we were talking about like know your work as a freelance designer if you're doing freelance work or if, you know wherever you are you should know the value of the work that you do because the work that you do is going out in the world and you're going to be the person that that helps create that you know so um, you should put your thought into it. So when people do Fiverr and stuff like that, I'm not going to dismiss them at all because that's nothing bad with that too because sometimes people just need to get work out there, work out there, work out there. And hopefully those people transition to something different. But, you know, it does hurt the design industry because then it becomes a commodity, right. a weak commodity that people, you know, just throw, throw it away. Oh, we can always get another logo later on. It's like, no, why don't you just do things right the first time? You don't go up there and say, oh, let's uh, get this studio in this really dangerous place because we'll get a studio later on. No, because you know that your customers aren't going to feel comfortable going there. You do things right the first time if possible, you know. Um, So, you know, it's like one of those mixed bags. I think that design itself is changing. You look at um, how when flat design and a lot of websites start looking almost exactly the same, but now you see people using more custom illustration and designs. You know, they're not just going to the stock photo sites right. and stuff like that. So people are trying to find ways to fill these like almost dead soulless websites that they were doing before with illustration to bring some life to it. Um, people are getting away from just a simple design now. You're looking at, uh, you know, like different styles being promoted because people are getting tired of looking at everything looking the same. Right. And the reason why you get most of these lazy trends like this because people are making it like a commodity, like a a quick thing so you say okay I can just design this website on Wix or I can do, do this in Squarespace which mm-hmm. Squarespace has some beautiful templates but you get the average layperson to design something in Wix or you know I don't like Wix but you know you are uh, sorry Wix that's my spot Wix right sorry let me take a commercial under uh, break here uh, this talk local uh, sponsored by Wix and uh, <laughs> no I agree with you say uh, with well, the big agencies the redundancy 
is security, I think, yeah. for your brand. Uh, however, there's also a little bit of a, a watered down, and it, maybe it's like those big super bands of the 70s mm-hmm. versus the indie rock band, you know, yeah. the, the yeah. three-piece well, Nirvana. Well, that, well, right. well Nirvana is always going to have the advantage because they're going to be something that you never saw before. Right. You know, it's like what's happening right now. Right. When you look at like the stat, like, you know, like Rolling Stones, you know what you're going to get. Right. You know, Rolling Stones aren't going to deviate that much. You know, we, you know, and uh, there's the a trust about, factor. Yeah, it's a trust factor. You know, let's say, but then you can also get the agencies that are like the Beatles. You know, yeah. they're they're so big that it's like we're just going to do whatever we want, and then people are going to like it because we're going to execute so well. And that's what you kind of want to be in a way. You want to you want to be a, a, a agency or a designer that you can execute whatever you need to execute, and even if it's like weird as shit, like it's going to work because right. you have the guts to go there and you also are you're confident i mean confidence is is, is so much in everything i mean you can convince people some crazy stuff yep. if you're confident i mean you look at some of the like doritos they, they just pretty much are now known for we're going to do some crazy commercials right. or my favorite commercial series of all time is when skittles just decide to go nuts and like they had the one when the guy had the Midas touch with the Skittles, and and that was the creepiest commercial of all time. Or like the guy who was like feeding himself with the long beard, like you watch, it had nothing to do with how delicious this candy is, but it's just it's so ridiculous that it's just like I still wow. love it when she says, "What's wrong? I have Skittles pox." Yeah, the Skittles is pox it contagious? <laughs> I don't think so. And she's just littered with Skittles. Yes, that to me still makes me laugh. It still yeah. makes and me it's laugh. And I know what's coming. It's, it's, it's very it's, creepy. It's, it's like it's super creepy, but it's like. But I like Skittles that, that much. It's, it's, it's pretty much saying that I like Skittles this much that it really doesn't matter. Right. Like it's, it just stopped mattering so much, you know? Yeah, I yeah, absolutely. I used to uh, work for a giant PR agency called Golan Harrison. I was on the McDonald's team. And uh, like I've said so many times before, that was working. That's landing your first PR job mm-hmm. with the Yankees. They were fantastic. I mean, we were a fantastic team. So moving out of that and going on my own, boy, is that a tough lesson. You know, you're used to all of this support system and things like that. But now, uh, when I worked there, it was creative is the ad agency, PR is us, mm-hmm. and they won't mix. And I always said they should. If they do a good campaign, yeah. we should do the PR about the campaign mm-hmm. more than anything, than an event. And I was, uh, this was at the time where the book, uh, The Rise of PR and the Fall of Advertising was very popular, and they, they actually yeah. gave it to their clients. And uh, it turned out, you know, I think I'm, I've been a little vindicated because if you go to Golan, it's just Golan now, and Edelman, the mm-hmm. two giants, they have creative departments. They hired so many people from ad agencies. There's, there's hundreds at a time. Yeah. And their entire floors. You can't tell the difference between an ad agency now and uh, a PR yeah. agency. So everybody's trying to do, put it under one roof, I believe. It's like those people who don't like their Thanksgiving plates. Like, they don't like their food touching. You know, if their <laughs> turkey touches their cranberry, they want to throw it out. You know, it's like, what's wrong? with you just just eat it? <laughs> or Brussels sprouts, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. right. You know what? I, I have found a newfound love for Brussels sprouts. Like before, Brussels well, sprouts are wonderful. Well, you know, I, I Baked did, with bacon? First oh, well, yeah. You know, well, you know what, too? I didn't... I, you are a foodie. I will say, oh, yeah. knowing from your social media, you're... Oh, I do want to get this question out uh, in, before we run out of time, is I you and I met through a love of craft mm-hmm. beer. Uh, I believe you were one of our first Wise Guys mm-hmm. University. Yeah, I'm drinking a Sunday morning stout right there now. So delicious. <laughs> craft beer. And I wanted to ask you more than like the predictable question of what is your favorite craft beer? Who of the region 
and uh, you followed our content. Oh yeah, I saw that. I, I was going to hold my comments off for them. Okay, well, <laughs> they can come in now. Uh, we had a, a contest here, uh, top five breweries in the region not named Three Floyds. Three yeah. Floyds, and it wasn't like Alan said, not a not a. It was uh, a poll too. Knock. It wasn't like it was a, a nod. Yeah, and uh, so let me ask you this: not your favorite beer, but what brewery around here, other than Three Floyds, do you mm-hmm. find has the best marketing? Is there a best marketing? You know what? Being Bill, an artistic man I, I, as yourself, what would, label say, draws you? I in? will say two things about that. Uh, craft beer marketing is weird because they really don't market. It's, it's mostly well, they you know they market like you look at their social media accounts and see how they do stuff. Like uh, I will name some. You know, uh, you look at. I don't really see New Oberfalls. So I don't see them advertised that much. Uh, you don't really hear about them as much, but they do brew some great stuff. Devil's Trumpet, I see them more on social media. I do enjoy their beers, they're cool guys. I mean, I, you know, I'm going to plug them in a little bit, saying like, if you want to go to like a place that will treat you like, like, like it's home, that's the place. I used to go there on Sundays and watch football, and I remember like one day it was like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, man, it's kind of it's kind of empty in here lately. It's, it's always empty around here. It's like, yeah, because we close at eight o'clock. Nice. <laughs> so, nice. so, so they let me and you know a couple of my other buddy Steve like hang out. Um, cool. Windmill does some great stuff, with, especially okay. with their memes. So when you look at, I'll, I'll put. This, but is there artwork that would make you try well, a beer more than? I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do the the, the slow oh, progression you? up on it. But I'll, I'll, I'll say when you think about uh, the marketing wise, um, Windmill struck it gold with their memes beer series. It's really like simple uh, artwork. Okay. It's just like a, a starburst type of thing to kind of think you know to bring into it. But they know how to market uh, when they put on there. They know people want memes, so they produce a lot of it, and they do different variations of it. And this is, you know, solid beer. Like the last one, I think, uh, was a Berliner, which was, you know, a little bit different than the usual memes, which was a milkshake uh, style IPA. But 18th Street definitely has the best artwork. Like, like I would say, their artwork is is so super. Like, I love the chaotic look of three floors like as an art guy like three floors you can like it's they're, they're almost like artwork how how like apocalypse cow is like one of the best, best labels it's just amazing label but okay. 18th street labels are so beautiful and yeah. clean and just all like they, they figured out a way how to pimp a skull out like 500 ways it's like you know you can stop doing the skull but damn it looks good okay so so you can't really <laughs> complain about it. and i actually thought that they should have won the contest i'm just gonna i'm just gonna be out there like their beers are delicious too, and 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 I'm saying this. I know actually Dave Hellwiggy, and they are doing like some amazing workouts there. Uh, but that's your social media yeah, world. Though. Yeah. Well, I was there yeah. actually uh, uh Friday, okay. and I would recommend anybody Cajun fries, Greek burger. That's okay. a, that's like that's like a that's like a I get a thumbs up over there. Amazing combination. Like the Greek burger is amazing, but they do really good beers. I think that they're slowly getting there, but I think 18th Street started off the gate pretty strong. And I would say like, and then you also have to look at sour series, like you know, like uh, Upland has like, like some great sours, but most people, you know, sours aren't like the beers that people go say, oh, let me go drink a beer that's gonna make me pucker, right? You know, that's not you know, you think you said let me go get drunk or let me get something that's gonna be refreshing. You know, that's why you still hear people going dilly dilly and stuff like that because you know uh, they want you know they want, I, some, you know they, want some, they want some hoppy water. But on a side note, that, can I just say I was the first time I saw the dilly dilly spot, I was like. Damn it! I know that's gonna take on. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It, and no, I, I didn't want to. No, you hear like seriously in the craft beer communities, right. like you hear like people say "dilly dilly" all the time. It's hilarious, but it's kind of like tongue in cheek, right? But that's what you want. It's like they knew what they were doing because yeah, they can't sell the product. They they can't boast about the product. No, so make them laugh. Yeah, and they own all these. They bought all these like craft 
craft uh, beer thing. Like you saw the right. Goose Island like spot they had. Right. They're like, hey, we're gonna like you know we we, we own these these guys who technically aren't craft breweries anymore because we you know give them millions of dollars or whatever right. like that. But we're gonna have a fake commercial about not giving them a commercial, which is like Inception commercial, you know. Yes. So, <laughs> so 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 but then you have people like saying, oh yeah, even though I'm not super into craft beer, three you know uh, I'll drink it three one two any day of the week because it's kind of craft, you know. Which is still a good beer. Kind of I mean. craft. I think you just, that's a great term. Yeah. Kind of craft. It's kind of craft. Okay. It's now you have two things that we've recorded that are yours. So make sure you get an IP attorney. After oh, yeah. I'm in trouble and, already, too. No, though. no. You're, you're no, good. No, I want to have a. You can you retire. Know, yeah. But um, Bud Light like, sends me like a, right. <laughs> a cease and desist about talking crap about them. By the way, Bud Light uh, is handing out free beer to, this to, tomorrow, to, Thursday. On the streets in Philadelphia. Really? I that's feel sorry gonna, for the people of Philadelphia. And that well, is you know, gonna, they, right? I, guess, I guess it's like water because they already tore down the city because of the Super Bowl. Right. Maybe to pour it and you know, wash yeah. off the sidewalk. Yeah. I, I bet you like uh, the New England Patriots like uh, sponsored that and they probably tainted each beer for them. So, you know. Because <laughs> you already got to like. Well, Bud Light came out. Aren't they the ones that came out with the team cans? Yeah. The last few seasons? That is Again, true. They do excellent. Mar- well, you know, too, right. they, had, they had local illustrators. Uh, they had diff- they they contact like freelance illustrators to do like, some of those cans and the beautiful artwork on there and they did some really cool things because they saw craft breweries were doing really cool things to make things individual so they like you know what even though we're gonna still pump out this like really not so great beer that people do enjoy I'm not gonna hate on people's you know it's like you know what? I eat McDonald's every once in a while there's nothing wrong with eating McDonald's I worked out the McDonald's again would I rather would I would, if I had a choice eating McDonald's or all Cheval or something like that. I would eat all Cheval. A Greek burger at but, 18th Street? Yeah, or, or, yeah but if, if I'm like hungry and I'm running late, you know, all right. Cheval, it's going to take me like three hours. I'm going to die. <laughs> I will legit die before I get a, a burger. Because it's going to be like, oh, yeah, it's only a 15-hour wait. You know, so. <laughs> Don't, you know, sometimes, you know, it's, 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 it's like life, man. You got to settle. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no, I'm joking Let's around. just end on that one. <laughs> Look, kids. Settle because it's over. Well, no, no, settle, so, settle when you only have fifteen minutes to eat. <laughs> um, going back to the the design of, of craft beer, I see it so often. Just working on uh, the Wise Guys account, and then uh, I worked on the Crown Brewing account. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I really pushed was let us, you know, simplify your label because you yeah. want to stand. Because they're like, well, we got to be crazy and cool. I'm like, no, everybody else is crazy. You really and cool. don't look at. So a, the way to stand out is to be very classic, very right. like you said with your style of, of fashion. You're very classic, but you might have. A you can have overlays, or you can right. differentiate. What I personally believe, um, this is going to be like a really, really, really generic thing. And you know, if, if uh, any um, breweries hear this, you want to contact me. You know, Rashawn Jamal Taylor. Uh, actually, it's RashawnJamal.com, and you just s a a n nineteen eleven at gmail.com. But Really, if you're going to go ahead and, and, and you're up and coming or you're starting brewery, just contact a, a graphic design company. Call, call up some. I know some people. You got We Create. You got Sawdust. You got some people. Just just say, listen, we want some some simple can templates, something that you can vary in color for your, your standard beers, right? And then when you decide to like do like a specialty beer, then go balls out and do something kind of creative. Because what you get is these really cookie cutter, like really bad looking labels mm-hmm. that, I mean like One Trick Pony, delicious beer, bad labels. Right. They don't really distro that much though. But you- You get lost on the shelf. Yeah, you know, you get lost on the shelf. Um, you know, your packaging really does bring it out. I mean, think about this. Like remember growing up and you used to go to like Blockbuster Music or whatever, or, or F, FI, you know, FYE or whatever music place you go to. You didn't. You couldn't listen to your music early. Mm-hmm. You pretty much like 
okay, who has a cool label right. and, and what doesn't look like it's going to suck? Like right. you like And what has that warning explicit lyric? Right. What happened? I remember it, yeah. first time first album uh I remember I bought the uh, first time I ever bought a Roots album. I remember I kept on walking past it and it was a Illadelph Half-Life, great hip-hop album. And you look at it and you're like Ah, do I want to get this? It's just a bunch of people like, you know, you think about it and it's like, you know, I'm just going to get it because I didn't know Roots because they weren't playing Roots on the radio. I'm a big hip-hop head. So, like, 80% of stuff I love, like, does not get played on the radio. Okay. It sucks. Like, you have to, like, know friends and people play stuff. I remember the first time I heard, like, Camp Blow, which has this crazy lyrics that they just, it's just ridiculous. But uh, it was because, like, a friend brought a cassette, like a, a, a single, and I, I borrowed it. And What's said, a cassette? Yeah, you know they don't do that anymore. It's, it's like one step from an eight track, you know. Right. Like yeah, so I need to wear my like my, my dad had in fedora next time I talk about like you know like hip-hop. but you 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 it was like uh it's, it's kind of go back to the design like I, I would say the album that I have up here uh which like, if you tra- want to say yeah. if they can't see it well I, uh so we you know I was asked to bring a a, a record that I borrowed from my buddy Steve because I only have like three records and they're and but the greatest like hip hop album of all time is from Tribe Called Quest. And most people say Low End Theory or Midnight Marauders. It's, it's, it's a big discussion. Some people might say Wu-Tang, too. I love Wu-Tang. But, There's a whole Reddit well, just Wu-Tang talking about what you're saying yeah, right now. Yeah, but Tribe Called Quest, Midnight Marauders is, in my personal expert opinion, because I'm an expert about these things, okay. is Tribe Called Quest, Midnight Marauders. And it also has probably the greatest album cover of all time. It has all these like hip-hop artists on the front of them. You know, you got like... Just, you got too many people. You got, you know, you got Large Professor. You got, I think Diddy's sneaking up on there, you know, before Diddy was actually Diddy and annoying. But you got so many, like, hip-hop artists on it. It's just, like, the quintessential album. They had this, like, painted lady in the front that they utilized in, you know, the album. It's just, and then the album itself, the music is just uh, so far beyond anything that was made at the time. Yeah. You know, well, Tribe Called Quest, like, really innovated in uh, the art of sampling. Like, in Low End Theory, they actually slowed everything down to, like, two-thirds of a beat or something like that, their samples. And you listen to actually like uh, a whole lot of like, I would say like 89 to like 2000, I mean, not 2000, until like 93 hip hop albums. Like you, you uh, hear about how people couldn't find their samples. And so now you get certain artists like De La Soul that can't put their albums out because they don't have everything clear because they sneak stuff in. Actually, De La okay. Soul was one of the first groups to get sued because of sampling. You know, Biz Markie, the reason why he had an album called All Samples Cleared because he didn't clear sampling. So you get all kind of crazy stuff, but but you know, I'll. I'll, I'll... I remember uh, De La Soul really. Uh, <clears throat> they caught my attention. I'm not obviously. Uh, I'm not. I'm more of a metal. Yeah. Kind of. I, I grew up in that. But you saw those album project. covers, and but, yeah. like you look at. So like this album is eclectic looking cover. Check it but out. But it was intelligent too. Yeah, it's you know, intelligent. I mean, the yeah. lyrics were deep, and you're you're sitting there. Your brain is being fed. Different, yeah. Right. And and then like the hip hop scene, like you know, I'm just not gonna crap out that thing. But uh, you know, it's, it's totally different. You know, now too. But like back then, you had to rely. Like, oh, that's a cool album cover. They they must right. be good. Right. <laughs> you know, um, luckily they did play some tribe on radio. I didn't know that much. Of it. Like De La Soul is actually my favorite hip hop group. I even got on De La Soul gym shoes today. Nice. I brought them in their colorful nice. shit. Alan would have loved that. Yeah. Well, he, you know, I, I let him know where to buy them from. <laughs> but, By the way, yeah, Alan, uh, the host Alan is in the Dominican Republic shooting a baseball video uh, right now, doing some exceptional work uh, with Jeff Wisniewski, and and uh, I, I'm I won't go too much further into it, so uh, I can tease it a little bit, but he he should be back tonight, but um, and he'll be back in the chair next week. But I, I just want to send a, a little, as the kids say, shout out to him 
to thank him for for letting me do the interview and and have a, an exceptional guest. Um, I'm like the Segway King, so. Oh uh, yeah, you're actually. I would say you know I was in Nicaragua actually. Okay. For a little yeah, bit. that's right. You yeah, had just yeah, returned yeah. from I'll, that I'll trip. I'll plug uh, Governor State University. They actually uh, t- had me go out there with the global brigades to uh, to take photos of students while they were doing the service work. And it was amazing. I mean, it was like one of those experiences that, you know, I can like literally fill up a whole day talking about how much, how interesting the whole trip was, how dedicated the students were, you know, and I'm, and I'm taking photos of it. And as, you know, I, you know, and, and you know, I will consider myself somewhat of ours, but you know, you're photography, when you're taking uh, photos of, of people uh, doing like amazing things, it is really hard and it's a lot of pressure because you're like, okay, I can't screw up. But at the same time, since we're doing digital, I can like you know screw up twenty times and automatically get that one shot. But you know, but you you don't want that. You want I mean, like I was going through and editing all these photos, and I'm just like falling in love with the whole trip again because you're seeing like these students like just enjoying themselves while at the same time like losing like ten pounds because they're like shoveling and and building like latrines and doing all this great work. And I remember like actually the last two days of the trip, we were there for uh, six days. Two days were travel days, you know, bookended, and then the other days were just really work. And it was work. Like, got up, you know, early. We left at like eight o'clock, rolled, you know, and then they started to work. They had lunch break, then they worked, and then they went back. So they they weren't like going out and partying. They, right. they were like stuck in captivity. Right. <laughs> but, chain but, gang. Working yeah, the chain yeah. gang. No, but they were like awesome. All, like I've I've made I've, I've said some of the fun. I've heard some of the funniest things out there. You know, they're just amazing. Uh, amazing students but like you go out there and you see like this weird beauty that you won't really experience in america at all so like you know we could, the natural beauty the natural, geography the, the nat- or yeah, the, the geography and then also you look at in their conditions in some places in some places or some of the art that even though that well you did see yeah we did see like some pottery work and, right. and stuff like that actually i want to find out like what like I some can, of the wall murals maybe or well some we of didn't the, get a chance to go out to okay. too many of the cultural areas that okay. much but even just seeing how people lived and seeing how they move stuff around all that too like art is such a big idea like you can say oh this landscape is an art mm-hmm. or you know but it's really you know the landscape is mountains it's been there longer than you have and, you know so it's like but you do it, but it's such a, a large field of what we consider to be beautiful and you know you look at the um, juxtaposition of like people figuring out ways to make things work and to live a certain life and how they're doing it it's a beautiful thing and uh and just going there and just being able to have the experience to actually take photos of it, I felt very honored to do that. It was it was it was really cool just to see what people were doing. And then you do see uh, people; they did do some artworks. They had the different cultural dances, and you look and see how their culture is very important to them. Like you know, in America, we don't think of it that way. We look at culture as you know, like uh, as as kind of disposable. Or sometimes we we've been trying to like singularize and saying, okay, you can't be. You can't enjoy this because you're this, mm-hmm. which is kind of silly, right. which is like the anti, you know, thesis of like design. Design is like pulling from different cultures, pulling from different things. You look at. You learn about a culture through its food, right. through its celebrations, yeah. through being included, as you were saying, your yeah. sense of inclusion. I think that's, I call it the St. Patrick's Day theory. If you want people to learn about your culture, throw right. a hell of a party and say everybody's invited. Right. Yeah. And that's yeah. the way it should be. Not. Yeah. Uh, and I have seen what you're speaking of, where you have certain cultural events and you feel that it is it is not inclusive. Yeah, it's, it's just not for them. Ethnocentric I mean, or... Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is, you might have certain... I mean, well, you know, and I'm just going to... Uh, and this conversation isn't on cultural appropriation, and I'm not going to try to act like I'm an expert on it. But I do think that in most things, 
all conversations are they have a certain nuance to them and when we start thinking of things as just straight cut you can't do this you can't do that somebody always has to the most important question you can never ask probably is why the second most important question you ask is how you know because you should ask somebody like okay we want to get this done well why do you want to get this done you know you can find out so many questions i mean so many answers in direction just by asking why so when we look at graphic design too somebody says i want a new logo why do you want a new logo well this logo isn't working out for me why isn't it working out for you well you know we don't think it communicates what we do to our customers and you can say well why do you think that i mean it, it sounds so simple but really most people neglect why they think to themselves i'm a hot shot designer i'm going to make something awesome for you but what's awesome for them and what's actually effective for them are two different things. So I think that um, it's always important to ask those questions, why? And then the how is something that you can ask yourself. How am I going to achieve this? How am I going to make the client happy with this? How am I going to bring these different ideas and fruition? You know, and so the how is more of an actionable thing. The why is gathering those details. So I think that's a very important thing to look at. I mean, whether or not um, you actually, I mean, it's all going to be about the execution at the end. But just asking the client why and asking yourself how is going to achieve so many things. And, you know, it's just not even design. It's just almost life, period. You know, it's like anything, somebody asks you to do something or anything. If you don't know the whys to something, you can't get to the hows. You know, because you don't know what needs to be done. If I want a house to be built, it's like, why? To get shelter. Well, why do you need shelter? Because duh you know but if you don't ask yourself well how i'm going to build this house what materials i'm going to need uh you know if you don't start getting that list of what you need to do then you're going to fail yourself you're going to have a house with three walls and you know lack of ceiling so it's always really important just to think to yourself like you know not just what's going to please you but what's going to uh, i mean design overall is the design industry graphic design or you know whatever the other design even just art is you know to us, well, I would say graphic design. It's not art is total difference because art is that communication. Sometimes communication of to what the client wants, or it might be what you, you know you you want to express. But when you think of graphic design as it's a service for the most part, your service you're you're providing service to the client to whoever hired you. So you need to be very mindful of what's going to um, achieve their goals. So if you're not asking those questions, then you are definitely definitely like failing your client. You can give them the best thing in the world. But what if it doesn't fit? Right. And uh, I think that's a, a great way to end this. Uh, yeah. How lucky am I to have you as a guest? And uh, it's, uh, the why is because I uh, have Rashawn Taylor. No, oh, thank you. I really perfect, ti perfect timing. So um, we'll close this off. Uh, I could discuss more and more. Uh, we, we should have you on uh, again. Uh, there's so many more things to talk about. The legacy of, of great work and et cetera. Uh, as we were talking in the green room before the show. But uh, please, once again, let our listeners know how they can reach you and uh, how and why. Well, I'm permanently, like, really bad at updating stuff, but uh, you can check out uh, some of the design I've done at RashanJamal.com, which is R-A-H-S-A-A-N-J-A-M-A-L.com. I'll tell you, it's really hard to spell your name when you're like... <laughs> Who are you talking to? My, my last name is O-L-E-K-S-Y, and I'm filling in for a guy whose last name is M-Y-S-Z-K-O-W. If you say his name backwards, he disappears, right? Like in the old Superman so. comics. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he that gives Yeah, he needs some vowels. He, he's, right. got like two, he, he, he's got two full-time vowels and a sometimes Y. 
It's like a Soviet dictator. Yeah, I know. I mean, he just needs a sickle and hammer right there. He, right. You know. But, uh, you know, you look at the, but uh, then also, like, I would say almost all my social media accounts are on SAAN 1911. So 1911, I'm a member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, founded in, uh, you know, January 5th, 1911. So it's easy to find me. My Gmail is SAAN1911. My probably hacked Yahoo account is SAAN1911. You can find me on Twitter. Facebook, uh, I don't check Twitter anymore. I'm sorry, it's kind of you know whatever. Instagram, where I put all my food and beer pictures at S A A N nineteen eleven. So if you need to contact me, contact me with S A A N nineteen eleven, and uh, Gmail, whatever else like that, and hit me up. I'll be glad to you know talk, drink, eat, and just ramble along with you well you've got uh local 219 has thousands of followers now so you may you're, you're going to be blowing up even more now so uh you will be the kevin bacon in northwest indiana at six degrees now let's lessen that to three degrees yeah, three degrees that'd be cool yeah. three degrees of separation thank what? you it was an absolute pleasure and honor to have you here i thank you for coming again and we'll have you on again soon well thank you thank you three two one out <laughs>